So when Herod the Great heard the wise men's testimony that we have seen a star, he called his chief priest, he called the scribes, and he said, hey guys, where does the Bible say the Messiah is to be born? And you know, they're like, oh, I got this one. I know the answer to this one, Micah 5, 2. In fact, directly quoted here in Matthew 2, 6. We don't even have to go to Micah 5, 2 because the wording is the same. In you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. And out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. They knew and were able to quickly respond. The Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So tonight I wanted to take us through six prophecies that are found in Matthew's Gospel, chapters 1 and 2. Six prophecies that Matthew thought... These were significant in the birth and the accounts of Jesus Christ coming as a babe in the manger, but also we'll find him in a house. Uh, When the wise men come to him, we'll find him in Egypt and then ultimately in Nazareth. And Matthew chose to select six prophecies from the Old Testament prophets to support the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ concerning the birth of Jesus Christ himself. And this is so important. We find in the Bible, and we'll see it here, but over and over again, as the prophet said, as written in scripture, and these are things that we can hang our hat on, if you wear a hat, we might say that when we talk about the birth of Jesus Christ, we connect to what was spoken in regards of Jesus' coming the first time, where in the Bible we discover that there were 330 prophecies concerning Jesus' first coming and all being fulfilled. And it gives us courage then to realize that the remaining 500 prophecies of Scripture that refer to his second coming will also be fulfilled, many of these having been fulfilled already, but still waiting for some to be fulfilled, as Scripture has said. And it was part of the witness, part of the gospel, part of the testimony that Matthew gave 
when he wrote the book, his gospel, the book of Matthew. And so we're going to look at six of these prophecies, and I'm going to connect with five of them, absolutely connect Old Testament scriptures with them. The sixth one is a little more difficult, and I'll explain that when we get to it. But beginning with number one. So tonight we're looking at a message I entitled Six Prophecies Surrounding Jesus' Birth. And we begin with God with us or Emmanuel. And we've heard many of these scriptures read already tonight, but I'll pick up a few of them again. But also connect the Old Testament passage that goes with it. So we look in Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, and we find, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, while Mary was helping her cousin Elizabeth, the angel of the Lord told Mary that Elizabeth was with child, and so Mary went to be with Elizabeth as she was preparing to give birth to John the Baptist. And as she was helping her cousin, she was away from Joseph. And Joseph, at this point, in Scripture, we know that Mary and Joseph were betrothed to one another as husband and wife, a little different than uh, being engaged for marriage or being a fiancé. Uh, it was actually a literal marriage contract that the marriage itself, had the ceremony had not yet been legally performed in front of the witnesses, we might say, and they were not yet living together. They had not yet consummated the marriage. And so Mary was gone, and Joseph would have been preparing their home. Um, in those days, he might have just been putting an addition on mom and dad's house. The way the Israeli customs went, the young man didn't go off to find a job and find a new house and a home for himself. He just stayed on the family farm, and one day that family farm would be his. And one day he would leave it to his children. And so a lot of times, even currently in Israel today, especially in the Arab sections of Israel, the non-Israelis, we find they still have this custom, this practice where uh, there's houses that have additions going on all the time as their family enlarged. And so Joseph would have been building his home awaiting Mary's return and how heartbreaking it must have been for him when she came back to discover that she was with child. He was in a dilemma at that point. It must have broke his heart initially. And the Bible tells us that he pondered what he might do in the situation itself. But while he was thinking about these things, one night in a dream, an angel of the Lord came to him and spoke to him and said to take Mary as your wife for the child that is in her womb is of the Lord. And so we find with Joseph that he was a just, a compassionate, and obedient man. And there's something that's key with Joseph that I want us to uh, just be reminded of here tonight. When the angel of the Lord came to him, it always happened in a dream. 
He, he never was just, never says that he was out in the field somewhere and an angel appeared to him. It always tells us that he was sleeping and an angel spoke to him. But in each situation, the angel also gave him scripture to support the words that he was saying. So combined with the message of the angel and the word of God, Joseph went forth in obedience to the Lord God. So he was a just man because knowing that Mary was with child, he wanted to do the right thing. But the law required that Mary and the man of whom she became pregnant by, that they should be stoned to death. And he did not want to do that to her. He was compassionate because in his mind, he was plotting, I'll put her away secretly. We'll have a secret divorce. And in the betrothal period, it was a marriage contract and it was broken by divorce, even though they had not formally consummated the marriage yet. But he was obedient because he believed the words of the angels that had been supported by the word of God. And he took Mary to be his wife. This prophecy that Matthew mentions here in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 it comes from Isaiah 7:14, where it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And that simply meaning God with us. And so the angel of the Lord quoted to Joseph, Isaiah 7:14, to affirm the message that was spoken to him. And what a privilege it must have been that God gave Joseph to be part of Jesus's life, to rear him as a stepson, understanding that he was the prophesied Messiah. In fact, the angel would say, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, Jesus is the Greek name of the Hebrew name Joshua. And it simply means Yahweh is salvation. And part of the Christmas message that Jesus came as a babe. He was born in a manger, and his name was called Emmanuel, God with us. And there is only one Emmanuel, and his name is Jesus. Yahweh is salvation. So our first prophecy there in Matthew 1, 23, and also Isaiah 7, 14. The second brings us to the wise men found in Matthew 2, 2. And I'll read verses 1 and 2 from Matthew's gospel. And the word of God tells us, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So that began the second prophecy saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? That was the question that was laid before Herod the Great. We looked at this a bit on Sunday, and I'd mentioned on Sunday that there was a saying connected to Herod the Great that it was safer to be a pig in his household than to be one of his own sons because this man was a jealous man and already had one wife and two sons put to death because he feared that his throne would be usurped by them. And so you can imagine when wise men came from the east, magi came 
requesting, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And their explanation is how they knew that the Messiah had been born. They said, Matthew 2, 2, we have seen his star. Again, we looked at this this past Sunday in Numbers 24, 17, where the prophet Balaam had prophesied concerning the coming of Jesus Christ. Numbers 24, 17, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. He said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. Balaam understood that Jesus' coming was not in the near future, but it was some distance off, and yet he saw the coming of the Messiah and prophesied concerning him. He also saw the star. In that prophecy, a star shall come out of Jacob, And the only place in the Old Testament where a star is connected to Jesus Christ himself is here in Numbers 24, 17. By coming out of Jacob, it connects it to the children of Israel, that the Messiah is of the Jews. The only other time in Scripture we discover a star being mentioned connected to Jesus is in the last chapter of the Bible. We saw this on Sunday, we saw it at the beginning of the month when we closed out Revelation chapter 22, where in verse 16, Jesus testified saying, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the bright and morning star. He also referred to a scepter rising out of Israel. And so it's again connecting the Messiah, to the nation of Israel. And so if any time in your lifetime from this day forward, someone says that the Messiah has come, well, one of the first things you need to do is ask, what nation is he from? It's like, what do you mean, what nation is he from? What's it matter? It matters. The scepter will come out of Israel. The star will rise out of Jacob. So wise men understood that the star testified of Jesus' coming. And so our second prophecy, we find that there in Matthew 2.2 that mentioned his star, we have seen his star in the east, connecting that to Numbers 24.17. The third prophecy is found in verse 6. We're going to read verses 5 and 6 of Matthew chapter 2. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So when Herod the Great heard the wise men's testimony that we have seen a star, he called his chief priest, he called the scribes, And he said, hey, guys, where does the Bible say the Messiah is to be born? And, you know, they're like, oh, I got this one. I know the answer to this one, Micah 5, 2. In fact, directly quoted here in Matthew 2, 6. We don't even have to go to Micah 5, 2 because the wording is the same. In you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, 
are not the least among the rulers of Judah. And out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They knew and were able to quickly respond. The Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. Now Bethlehem was a small city. It still is to this day. And it's just about five miles outside of Jerusalem. To this day, it's not a very safe city. When we were there in Bethlehem and we spent five days in a hotel in Bethlehem and, and they told us, don't go roaming around at night out here. It's dangerous. It's okay to go out in the daytime, but don't go out at night. So we listened and we stayed in the hotel at night. Bethlehem didn't have a great reputation in Jesus' day as well. It was an insignificant city as far as Israel was concerned, but it was a city that had a lot of significance to the people of Israel. Even though it was a small city in comparison to Jerusalem that was just five miles away, there Jacob buried his beloved Rachel. Ruth met Boaz in Bethlehem. King David grew up in Bethlehem, and most importantly, Micah foretold that the Messiah would be born there. I've always wondered, the chief priests and the scribes knew the answer to the king's question, where is the Messiah to be born? Oh, in Bethlehem of Judea. Why didn't they go to check out the wise men's question? Why didn't they go to see if the Messiah had actually come? Well, we know that they really didn't care if the Messiah would, for many of them, show up. They had become comfortable in the world that they found themselves in. Yet in all of Israel, there was only one city where the Messiah was to be born, and thus God used Caesar Augustus, the ruler of the Roman Empire at that time, that all the world should be registered, that caused Joseph to take a very pregnant Mary some 90 miles. You think, well, that's not that far, John, 90 miles. Well, hop on a donkey and tell me how far it feels when you make the trip. And see if you're a guy and your wife is pregnant and she's about ready to give birth, if you could convince her to go on the trip. I doubt it. And when I say 90 miles, that's looking at a map of Israel as the crow flies, which meant that they didn't have a direct route. It may have been more like 150 miles for their journey. Yet God used Caesar Augustus to make sure that Jesus was in the right place, in the right city, when Mary gave birth to her first begotten son. Another miracle that took place that is interesting, the way it is read here in Scripture, Herod determined from the wise men, this is important, verse 7, it kind of sets up the next three prophecies. Herod determined from the wise men, in verse 7, what time the star appeared, and so they were able to calculate the age of the child. And he sent the wise men to Bethlehem, verse 8, saying, Go search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may also come and worship him. If he would have really been speaking the truth. When you find him, come back and tell me that I may also come and kill him. That's what he wanted to do, and that's what he would attempt to do. But in verse 9, a little miracle in itself. It says, 
When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star that had been seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And so the star in itself, standing over a singular house, that's a miracle in itself. They actually, in verse 10, rejoiced with exceeding great joy seeing the star. But it was important that they stop in Jerusalem first and let Jerusalem know that the Messiah had been born. By this time, the shepherds had already heard the testimony of the angels and had already went out declaring that the child had been born. But it would be like, I'll pull two names, myself, John Pinnell, pastor of Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, and Joel Olstein, pastor of a very large church in Texas. I may not agree with Joel's ministry, but listen to the point. If we both showed up in Washington and said, we need to see the president, who do you think they would let in? They would send me, they might investigate me, but they, they certainly wouldn't send me in to see the president. Joel might make his way in. I believe it's the same with the shepherds compared to the wise men. The wise men were respected people. They had access to the king. The shepherds would have never gained such access. And so it was important that they stop there first. Certainly the star could have shown them the way without letting Herod know. But again, the wise men's announcement to King Herod set up the next three prophecies. So it was important for them to be there. Once they made it to the house, Scripture says, not the manger scene, even though we have a manger set up here with three gifts in front of it. Once they made it to the house, so Jesus a little older now, they fell down and worshiped Jesus. They opened up their treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And yet the Bible doesn't give us the number of wise men. It doesn't give us their names, but only the number of gifts. And it's been said that gold was given because Jesus was born a king. The frankincense because of the beautiful fragrance of his life and the myrrh because he was born to die for our sins. There was only one place where the Messiah could be born, Bethlehem of Judea. Now we looked at tonight six prophecies that were fulfilled in the birth and early life of Jesus Christ. And the fulfillment of these were solely the work of Jesus' heavenly Father. And with all these prophetic proofs, and I think that's why it's important for Matthew, as he wrote to his readers saying that as it was fulfilled in Scripture, as it was written by the prophets, as the prophets said, everything that he spoke about in this two chapters, he kept connecting to the Old Testament prophecies to prove that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, the King of the Jews. And to this day, the wise come to seek him. He who has been born King of the Jews has also died upon the cross for the sins of the world. But as we know, here in the Christmas season, all the gifts that will be given in the next few days, if you don't open them, then technically you don't receive the gift. And the gift of salvation that Jesus has made available to us, it is there, it's available. All it needs to be 
is received. And we open that gift through faith in Jesus Christ by confessing our sins, by believing in Jesus Christ as our Savior. And I pray that you know him as your Savior. Tonight we thank you, Lord, for all these prophecies that were written for us. They were to help us to be assured of the sure word of prophecy, the truth of your word, that we can stand upon your word because it's reliable and true. I pray, Lord, for anyone listening via the radio, through social media posts, here with us live, if they don't know you as Savior, I pray tonight, Lord, that they would cry out to you in life-saving faith. Because, Lord Jesus, your gift of salvation is available to whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. They shall be saved. I pray, Lord, that this Christmas season, over the last couple of years, such a troubling time in our nation and throughout the world, I pray, Lord, this Christmas, many people will give their hearts to you. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.